I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily Ooh, I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, Kristen Sinatra Walker here, host of Mental Health News Radio, and I have an amazing co-host who also sponsors my show with his incredible text messaging uh, application called Cope Notes, so make sure you go to copenotes.com and check it out. But Johnny Crowder is also the uh, lead singer in a heavy metal band called Prison, and he is here today to share hosting duties with me. Hey Johnny. Hello. I'm psyched because this is the first podcast we've done that centers around mental health and metal. It's about time that has happened. I know, I know. And I I hope, you know, we do more of that because it's definitely, it's this interesting space that um, talks a lot about mental health. Hence, our guest, um, Mark Hunter, has joined us. He is the lead in the group Chimera, which thank God I knew how to pronounce that correctly. And you're also in a documentary about mental health called Down Again. Mark, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And it's nice to see you again, Johnny. Hey, I actually just added, you have a song called Down Again, right? Correct. So I just added that to a playlist like a couple days ago. Oh, nice. At a tattoo shop and someone was playing that song and I was like, I, when I toured with you guys, I slept on, I don't know if you played that song. No. But I was about to say, if they would have played this, I would remember it. It's such a good one. So it's cool that you named the documentary after it. Awesome. Thank you. So how did they, we're going to get into all kinds of stuff, but how, first of all, how did the documentary come about? What motivated you to do that? And how did that even happen? Back in 2017, there was a festival being put together by Derek Hess, who's an amazing artist from Cleveland, and it was called Acting Out, and the the whole focus was about mental health and addiction. And one of the producers of this festival reached out and asked if there was any chance in the world uh, Chimera would reunite and play this show. And... We were unable to do that because secretly we were plotting our uh, reunion show that wound up happening in December of 2017. Hmm. So I had to decline on that, but I was like, man, this sounds like a really fantastic idea and I'd like to be involved in some way. So I mentioned that. I don't know if you are having guest panels or I could put up artwork or something, but I'd like to be involved. And I have hypomania, which is a form of bipolar two. And I was even screenshotting my Cleveland Clinic diagnosis so I could pr- prove that I was legit. I didn't know if I knew. You really have a mental illness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just get concerned that some people use the term a little uh, blanket, like a blanket expression, if you will. And what, what I have has actually been clinically diagnosed. So I just wanted them to know I was legit. Mm-hmm. And we did this festival where uh, it was actually more of a panel uh, for, for us. It was me. And then they put me with uh, the director, Nick Cavalier, who had made a documentary about Derek Hess called Force Perspective. And Nick also has bipolar. Mm. So they thought it would be interesting to put two creatives together that kind of talk about how we use our um, 
mental issues to our advantage and right. it was moderated by a doctor, um, Dr. Patrick Runnels, who was also in the film. And so we just had a great discussion and a great time talking in front of a live audience and fielding questions and doing our best to just be honest about how this either affects us negatively or positively. And about, I don't know, a month later, maybe not even, Nick uh, invited me out to lunch and suggested that we do it on film. And at first I was a little cautious and apprehensive because I just didn't know if I was interesting in, in the sense that if we look at a show like Intervention, we're watching the train wreck. Right. Or if we watch maybe something the opposite side, we've already seen the person after recovery and they're like on the top of the mountain. Maybe it's even over embellished how great they're doing. Right. So I was like, man, I'm kind of in between. I'm like, <laughs> I'm neither of these. And is that interesting? And once, uh, but I agreed to it because on the plus side, I get to have all this amazing footage of our reunion concert and me standing on stage with, um, my friends in the band who at the, we had a, such a tumult, uh, a terrible tragic ending that we weren't friends for so long. So um, it was important for me to have that captured. So I, once Nick tore into making the film, it became clear to me that it was a little more allegorical and a little more, uh, not so much about me, but the, it's a conversation starter. And um, it's, I guess that made a little more sense to me that I'm just, I'm not really the character. It's like more or less right. the, the, the subject that is the character. Well, that's the interesting thing is, you know, there's one thing to be a performer, which I, I'm not a performer, so I have no idea what, you know, what that feels like. But there's that, and then there's you living your everyday life. And, you know, any kind of a, a mental health handicap is going to affect you and your real life and you as a performer. So it's an interesting thing to study. And, um, and yeah, I mean, you know, when you get up every day and go to the bathroom and wash your clothes or not wash your clothes, whatever. <laughs> I love doing laundry, by the way. I like the task of putting it in and putting the soap in, and then I'll even put it into the dryer. But And then you live out of the dryer. That's me with the dishes. I'm, just, no, I'm, lucky, I'm lucky my girlfriend loves taking the clothes from the dryer, folding them and putting them away. <laughs> but I've managed to find the perfect companion, <laughs> the yin to my yang. Good. Well, for you, Johnny, what, what spoke to you about, you know, wanting to come on and do this with us? Well, I think it's funny how, I think this happens a lot, but so I toured with Chimera for maybe a month and a half in 2013 and we probably never once talked about anything mental health related Definitely. and so i have been among other things i've been diagnosed with bipolar and i think what made me want to come on is this happens all the time we like sit next to someone or we're roommates yeah. with someone or we talk we've known our aunt for 20 years and it never came up like and that's sort of why I think it's important to have these chats now because it's not like, oh, good, now I'm armed for when I meet someone who's diagnosed with a mental illness. It's like, no, now you're ready to talk to the people in your life who haven't spoken with you about it. And right? Yeah, exactly. Especially in the, men, like in the metal and hardcore community, there's, I always say one thing, and it's been true from when I started going to shows until now, and it's changed a lot and Mark's been going to shows since forever so he's probably seen it too but in my experience people don't show up at a metal show because everything's going okay they're like oh my family life is perfect I'm really in a great financial situation I am really happy like people show up because they need a break and they need something different and they're frustrated and I think that's almost the perfect place for conversations about this because the odds of people in the room being able to relate and connect with it are like 99%. Yeah. What do you think about that, Mark? I found that going to a couple of Johnny's shows, but which was shocking to me. 
Sure. Uh, but, you know, again, I'm not a performer. So what about you? <laughs> Absolutely. I've always thought of it as like a spiritual environment in a sense where we're coming together and like a lot, a lot of times you feel this connection with lyrical content and screaming and passionately screaming and they need this cathartic release. So it, it was very prominent in uh, the Middle East when we played there where they're not even allowed to say certain words in public. And wow. we were told that we can't perform certain songs because of the words in, in them. And yet here we're playing and we noticed the kids, this is the song we have called Power Trip. And oh yeah, like screaming from the audience, like power trip, power trip. And we're like, oh no, what do we do? Uh, so we're like, I'll just play it. I won't sing it. And I'll just put my hand out into the uh, crowd and you just hear everyone, 10,000 kids go, fuck. <laughs> I mean, it was insane. So I really appreciate what it means to the audience of this release and this, in this um, that yeah, everyone's going through something and it's not a place where uh, we're getting together to, you know, like Margaritaville or something. <laughs> it's the opposite of that. <laughs> right, exactly. That's the fascinating part too, is uh, what I've loved with, you know, since I've, I've been to Johnny's shows is he will throw in the middle of just this set where I can tell, you know, he's in his performer zone and, you know, I could be like, hey, hey, and he would not see me because yeah, he no. in performance land. But right then at the peak of everyone at a frenzy and uh, feeling so incredible, he'll throw in some serious thing about suicide or about mental health or about sexual harassment or whatever. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. To get people in that space where they're opened up because of the music and the energy and the performance and to you know, drop that in right at that moment. That's a huge, my God, that's a huge opportunity for education. That's a skill set I wish I had. I tend to, I admire people that have that ability, even when I was younger, maybe not the, the best example, but Phil Anselmo with Pantera, he could stop a crowd and talk for 20 minutes. And <laughs> maybe I don't agree with everything he said, but I, it's just a skill set I can't I can't wrap my head around. I get so into the zone that um, I feel like I start tripping on my words, and I feel mm -hmm. I can't express myself as clearly. And it's um, I, I so I more or less took the nine inch nails approach when I would go see nine inch nails growing up. You're lucky to even get a thank you out of Trent. So uh, you know. <laughs> It was, uh, I kind of just gravitated more towards that, but always admired those who were able to use the stage as a platform and a podium to bring awareness to the issues that they're, they're passionate about. I think um, what you do, you do in the words that you're singing. Quite possibly, yeah. But I mean, to, to have the ability to uh, break away from that performance mindset and and kind of touch upon uh, things that are important to the people in the audience. That's a that's a skill set I I never worked on because I just mm -hmm. just anytime I would attempt to say something I I would trip over myself and it just yeah I'll I just go the Trent route. So the the balance for me is like when I was growing up and I was first going to shows, it would actually bother me if a frontman talked for like half the set. Sure. Sort of be like, There's no, that I, too. Yeah. I did not download all of your music illegally from LimeWire and listen to it a hundred times for you to only play four songs. Right. And so I think the balance is being able to say something short and pointed, like make very intelligent use of the limited time you have on stage, and basically say a whole lot in a very short. You know, if you have ten seconds between. Yeah. And especially because we have our whole set is on a backtrack. So for our drummer, um, so it's all timed for him. It's not backtrack through the PA, but it's in his I understand. Yeah, It's all on a track. So we can't just pause and go on a rant. So I know, wow, I have 12 seconds. 
to say something, and I hope it sticks with these kids because we're about to go right back into another song. So it right. to be like a little more resourceful because sometimes the rants can, you can wind up saying something that you really didn't mean. Yeah. And alienate half the audience. Yeah. So if you have a very short amount of time, it makes you think like, what is the one sentence I want to say? And a lot of time that sticks a lot better than 10 minutes and you find yourself like, Oh man, what have I been talking about? You know, (laughs) I feel, I think I actually did that at the reunion show and there was something I had thought out quite a bit before I, ever even stood on stage was the point I wanted to make and standing there I just basically said that tonight is about forgiveness and within our group that was a big thing and it was a that's what it took for us to even get on the stage so that was kind of my message to the audience and um and yeah so I kind of see what you mean by that like it was a brief window but it had to be impactful and thought out so yeah that's cool stuff. I would remember hearing that if yeah. someone said that. Because kids come in thinking tonight's about Chimera. Sure, sure, sure. When you say something that contradicts that, they leave remembering it. Mm. You know? Yeah, that's a good idea. That's awesome. Good thought. Cool stuff. So let's talk about this, you know, the piece around, you know, bipolar disorder and creativity uh, because there's so much out there. I've, you know, I've interviewed, Mark, you don't know, but I've interviewed over a thousand people at this point. Wow. doing my show for, you know, going over five years. And, um, and so, you know, I've interviewed everyone from my mailman in where I used to live who has bipolar to uh, the world leading addiction specialist PhD with 800 letters after his name. So there's not been anyone I haven't, you know, interviewed about all of this. And I've heard so many different things and I hear it all the time and it can't be stressed enough. Um, and I'm not saying medication is the, is the only way because there are many roads to mental well-being. but there's, there are so many people that really do need to take medication or at least take it for a while, maybe, uh, with therapy in order to get to a, uh, you know, a stable place or whatever it is. And they won't because they have this idea in their head that, it's going to kill my creativity if I do that. So what are your, what are your thoughts around that? That's a great question. And I actually just talked about this because that was the point. My, when kind of trying to diagnose all of this with my doctor was a concern was killing the creativity and it was his concern, not, Mm. not so much mine. Wow. And um, I didn't even know that that was a possibility. And so he was very, it's not that he was apprehensive, like, but just cautious about uh, putting me on certain medications. And we tried a little bit of everything. And then, but it was, the, it was an era where I, I could get in with my doctor, call him that day and we could, it's not like this anymore. So, right. um, I was fortunate enough to be able to kind of tinker around with medications, like try this for a little bit. Well, how does this work? Well, it's pretty good. And then maybe it stopped working or, oh, this one's making me think that aliens are feeding me the lyrics. Probably not working. Right. Um, so it just took a little bit of time and it, we were actually treating depression because uh, with hypomania, I, I didn't realize that my highs were a problem. I didn't know that that was a, condition i didn't i'm just like wow i i can sit in front of a computer and work for 13 hours and then go out and then i can do this and i was like i don't need sleep whatever like who cares i didn't know that that was a thing like i didn't know that i had no ideas but it was the depression side that i also have that we were looking at so um why do i not want to get out of bed for a week or why am i uh, having these real bad anxiety attacks or why am I, um, I couldn't even go into a restaurant. I think it was like 2005. Any, any time I would walk into a public restaurant, I would start getting extremely nauseated. And if I even attempted to eat, I would definitely vomit. And I, I just remember like being in England and we were on tour and, um, I was with my tour manager, sound guy, big John and, we were supposed to go to this dinner with metal hammer magazine and it was a big award show and 
of course everyone expects me to be there. I'm the voice of the band, I'm the front man. And I'm like, I'm so hungry, I can't go into this place though. I cannot go in here, I'm gonna throw up. And he's like, all right, so what do you wanna do? I'm like, well, let's go get some KFC, like buckets of chicken and hang out in the hotel room and just pig out. And that, I was fine, I could do that, no problem. But like, go, go somewhere, I had like this crazy anxiety. But So, just didn't know what we were treating. Um, it was so, until, one day I was in his office and I started to, I was actually in a manic state. He's just like, dude, you're, I think you have hypomania. And I'm like, what's that? <laughs> and he's just like, he's just kind of laughing. He's like, yeah, you're definitely manic right now. Like, holy shit. And, uh, <laughs> and again, this is a family doctor for a long time. So we actually had this kind of dialect. I don't know if this would fly nowadays, but anyway, yeah. uh, <laughs> so yeah, we wound up testing myself for it, and then um, I switched medication around. Genetic testing? Works. What's that? Did you do genetic testing? I have had genetic testing done, yes, exactly. Okay. Um, I have the, uh, they call it the motherfucker gene. I have that mutation. Uh, um, and I'm very sorry if I'm swearing over a lot. You said it's okay. but uh, It's totally don't, okay. Don't open the floodgates with me. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, I've done genetic testing through 23andMe, and I also went, um, there was a few other websites you can kind of take your uh, print and then look into that as well. Um, uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick has one I used, and I thought it was called Prometheus, but I've heard somebody pronounce it another way, but maybe it'll make me Prometheus or something, but I don't yeah, know. I, I, I don't put know it either. that one as well. And that was an interesting one because it had like your effects to drugs and things like that. Not like warfarin, but like LSD or something or like yeah. cannabis and like, uh, how are these things going to affect, uh, um, affect you and all of that sort of thing. So, uh, as a, uh, musician that was not against experimenting with my consciousness about seven or eight years ago, um, I found that to be a useful uh, to have that genetic information. Yeah, it is. It's really helpful. One of our sponsors uh, is a company called My Genetics, and I'm all about that because, you know, the amount of years that I went through um, trying different medication and then finally taking one, which was Zoloft, where I was like, for two weeks, I was like, this is what it feels like to operate as a normal functional human being and then have it just stop working <laughs> and then you're like holy sh I mean the crash is not any different than how you've already been living but it feels worse because you had normality for mm -hmm. you know I could go anywhere I didn't do what you're talking about you know I go into any restaurant I could do whatever and I was like this is amazing and then it's gone right. so to know after getting genetic testing done, that one is one that was never going to work for you. That was huge for me. So yeah, that I had that same thing. Like my on my list, there's like Selexa is one of them, and that's the one where the aliens were feeding me lyrics. Right. Uh, Zoloft, I was punching walls. Uh, um, what's the Prozac is the first one, right? This right. is what I've been in. Yeah, yeah, one of the first popular ones anyway. But like this is me in my teens, and it made me impotent. Which man. For a dude, that's not really a dude, sixteen-year-old dude. Right. <laughs> Something's wrong. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I was quick to get off that. And um, yeah, what works for me is a very low dose of Lexapro, um, mm. and it just kind of keeps me. I, I'll still have episodes like this morning. I woke up a little bit on the wrong side of the bed. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous, and they're just good people. And also MyGenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. 
And lastly, copenotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. I had a very stressful night. It was so stupid. But I sent my mom, this is a good story to tell though, but I, I sent my mom the, the movie to watch and uh, there was a great article in Psychology Today and I sent it to her and I never got a response. And I was like, oh, that's odd because usually my mom would be excited to see a film that I'm in and read an article. So like 8.30, 9 o'clock rolls around and I send her another text like, is everything okay? You know, still no response. And I'm like, all right, now I'm starting to trip. So I start calling her, no answer. And I'm like, that's odd. It's not going to voicemail. It's just ringing. And I'm like, what the hell? And I call her best friend. Have you talked to her today? Well, no. Oh, great. So I drive over. I'm doing a wellness check. You know, I start banging on the door. <laughs> She's like, well, the phone froze. I thought you didn't pay the bill. <laughs> So I thought 11 o'clock at night, I thought my mom's dead. I'm ready to call the funeral parlor. (laughs) And here it's just the phone locked up on the AT&T screen and I just had to reset it. But the whole day she has no phone and she's like, well, I just figured you didn't pay the bill. (laughs) So I just, I woke up this morning. It's like, I was still like down and stressed, but I digress. But the, the medication for me just kind of helps me a little bit more stay even keeled. It's not that I won't experience the highs or the lows, but they're less frequent and less intense. And especially knowing more about everything, it's like, oh, I can be cognizant and aware that I'm in that like headspace. Like, and having people around me kind of point out, especially my better half, Lauren, she'll, she'll kind of do one of these like, Hey dude, you're, <laughs> Bring it like, down. you're, you're ramping up. I can tell. Like, did you take your medicine this morning? By like three o'clock in the afternoon, she'll know if I haven't taken it. <laughs> I know. I, I, my, I've known my, my ex-husband, and uh, he's the father of our only child. I've known him for 32 years now, and, since I was 18. And uh, he can tell just, because we talk eight times a day on the phone, but uh, he can tell just by like how I answer the phone. Have you taken your Vyvanse yet? Or have you, you know, like what's, did you, did you get any sleep last night? And I can do the same for him. And that, I want to talk about that piece, how important it is to surround yourself with people who get it and have their own issues that they struggle with too. And so you get it for them also. Because I have been surrounded by people who like walked on eggshells or treated me like at any moment they need some kind of intervention because they have no idea what mental wellness is really about at all. They've got some ridiculous idea and stigma of their own. And so they bring that into my realm and it's like, okay, this is not, this isn't healthy, but um, you know, I can have that with what I do, but I don't go out on tour and get and have all this energy thrown at me. So, and, and in spaces I live and breathe in the mental health world. So I'm really in a nice bubble, but you guys go out to these places where, you know, that's not necessarily the bubble you're in. So how do you, we'll start with you, Mark, how do you, um, how have you developed that and how, when did you see the importance of, of having that kind of thing around you? I don't think, unfortunately, I don't think I was really, really had a grasp on what was going on until the band was over. And so a lot of my insight came from that and which is a great thing. So like on one hand, yeah, it's like, man, I just lost my career. I spent 20 years working at, um, but on the other hand, it, it provided me an opportunity to actually work on myself and work on things to just improve. And um so but i do have my my better half and 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 people in my family or close friends now that i can feel that i can rely on and call upon that understand enough and and just to have a good friend that's a colleague as well and um that knows me well enough that i was supposed to take some photos for her this morning 
it's not, it's not a huge deadline or a big deal, but I was like, I told her the story of what happened. And then I also said, I'm just, I woke up low. Like I'm not doing it because I'm going to go in there and I know I'm not going to be able to perform my best. I had interviews scheduled for the day. So I'm like, I'm just going to take time and relax myself so I can be focused for the interviews. And I, and then I'll just reconnect with you and do a better job um, tomorrow or the next Good day. for you. That, so takes, just, that takes a lot to be able to do that and have people that will be understanding of that because correct, yeah. the pressure There's some to people be I can't perfect and down. perform. Yeah, yeah. True. You know, that's unfortunate. I, it, it's not unfortunate, but like if I have a wedding, it's not like I could say, hey, can you guys reschedule your wedding? I'm loaded. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, and that happens. Like I, I feel like I need, I want to be manic on those days where I'm like, hey, let's, you know, I'm the life of the party. I have a ton of energy. I can go, I can blast through the 15 hours that it's going to take. And, uh, but if I wake up in the opposite end, it's like, oh man, this is going to be bad. I'm going to start snapping at granny. Uh, cause she's trying to take a picture over my shoulder and she doesn't even know how to use her iPhone. And I'm noticing that she doesn't know how to use her iPhone. And how come you don't know how to use your iPhone? <laughs> and, <laughs> Like, why are you, why are you using this phone? You don't even know how to, use, it's just, just a spiral. And, uh, yeah. And then my, my better half Lauren is just a good assistant in my photography business as well. And she's from the South. So she's got Southern charm. She can bring to the table and everyone forgets that I'm in a bad mood. So <laughs> <laughs> good. how about you, Johnny? Well, I think it's funny that Mark said, like, with a wedding, you can't be like, can you get married later or <laughs> next week? Because sometimes I feel like that on tour. Like, wow, I just agreed to play 47 shows yeah. in a row. And I have no way of knowing how I will feel on those days. So we make, like, as, as a touring musician, you don't agree to play a show this weekend you commit to like these gigantic things that you genuinely aren't a thousand percent sure that you can deliver on. Like if your vehicle breaks down or if you break a bone or you get sick, you're just like, you say blanket. Yes, I will commit to all of that. But part of your head is like, well, hopefully, you know, your sister doesn't get pregnant while you're gone. And hopefully you don't miss something important or, you know, and it will get depressed. Yeah. And so I think it's interesting that we can't, like I couldn't show up at a venue and be like, hey, promoter, I appreciate all the work you've done trying to get, get the word out about the show. I'm actually feeling a little not myself. So we're not going to play now, but maybe in a week or two, we'll come back. It's like, no. So I think in those times, it's important, like what Mark said, just to listen to yourself and understand when, I think a lot of musicians happen to be yes people because we want to make art super badly our whole lives. So whenever someone gives us an opportunity to do that, we're like hundred percent. Absolutely. I'll schedule 20 interviews in one day because it's, I am a machine. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's a skill that I'm always working on developing is realizing like sometimes kids will want to talk for like hours after I get off stage. And I think to myself, man, I want to, put a Ricola in my mouth and sit on the curb for a half hour and listen to a podcast or something and just like be a person before I come in and do that part. It's, it's really challenging to prioritize self-care when in my head touring is very much for, it is somewhat for me, but in a large part, it's for the people who are going to see the shows. Right. So it feels like sometimes I'll stand in my own way when it comes to self-care, because I'll be like, oh, these kids paid $20 and these kids waited in line. It's like, hey, you spent 12 years trying to get to this show, actually. So, like, give yourself a break, you know? Right. That's the piece, that inner dialogue that goes on. That's, the, that's been the biggest uh, thing for me to reconcile is just how much I talk to myself like I would never speak to another human being. Even yeah. if I hated them, I wouldn't talk to them with what, what goes on dialogue wise, but also with what I don't do for myself, that I'm just this machine. And I just, I've been called that, you know, you're, you're a machine, like you do a show no matter what. And so I find, I mean, I still struggle with this, but I finally, um, 
what really helped me is I just started telling people, look, I am in trauma right now while we're doing this show. I'm having a massive anxiety attack and I will do the best I can to get through it, but I'm, I'm doing this show like this right now. And I was really ashamed about that for a long time. And then I thought, this is real fucking life. Like that's reality. Sure. So why not just freaking say it? So um, yeah. that, that's helped me. And people are very forgiving in the space that I'm in, of course. So <laughs> I would, I would, I wonder, Johnny, if you've had moments like, I think some of the most disappointing times on a tour or performing is when you, maybe you wake up in the funk and you're counting on the show to bring you that um, switch in consciousness and the show just doesn't go right. Or maybe no one shows up or you just, maybe it's okay, but you still can't get out of it. Yeah. I hate those nights. Like I, I wish, wish you could be like, it's like you're expecting it to snap you out of it. The drug's not working today. Why not? <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it's sort of like the moments, even when there's not a lot of kids there, I think I can, I'm getting better at remembering why I'm playing the show in the first place. Sure. Sure. Like each person has an individual experience with the show, but what I have a, a little more difficult time explaining away is technical difficulties right like if our kit goes out and the sound guy's on stage while we're playing a song i'm just like man i can see these kids are looking at the sound guy right and they're like not the you know it's sort of something that it's a lot easier for me to realize like wow there's 25 people in this room but they're all digging it sure i can, I can vibe with that much easier than i can wow there's 400 people in here all out of it because right. they're they're noticing that something is wrong. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That is really, it's easier for me to shake because a lot of times if my mic goes out, it's a little simpler fix or if it's a cable goes out. But if it's like guitars or drums and you have to like cross-reference 50 things to make sure to find what it is, I notice that it's like bipolar isn't, I think that what people think bipolar is, is yeah, Mark was really happy and then he got really sad and they think that it's like proximity, mm. but I think it's one little thing. Like I have said, that's the best show I've ever played in my life, probably 700 times. And I've probably said that was the worst show I've ever played probably 700 times. <laughs> like it's not that I go from super happy to super sad all the time, like zigzagging. It's that, my highs are too high and my lows right. are too low. 25 kids is the worst show or 500 kids is the best show. And even if I've played more or less, these things are so, it's just like amplified, no matter right. what the stimulus is. If I stub my toe, let's cancel the tour. Right. And, and <laughs> if I find a dollar on the floor, let's buy a Lamborghini because we won the lottery. Right, right, right. And I don't, I recognize that that's not logical, but it doesn't prevent the feeling from being like, you know what? Screw it. We don't have to do the tour. Yeah, no, I, we, I am so guilty of that as well. And literally canceling tours. Cause like, I, I think I, we were like in the back of the bus one time and we had this tour scheduled and no one wanted to do it. I'm like, ah, let's not do it. You know what I mean? You're like, ah, all right, call the manager. We're not doing it. <laughs> you know, and it just, Holy shit, what did we just do? Yeah. <laughs> totally canceled a tour. Oh my goodness. And everyone's mad online. Like, anyway, yeah, I totally agree with that. And it, it's hilarious to hear somebody articulate it that way because, yeah, it's like, oh, cool. We, we have enough to buy two buses. We rent two buses for this tour because we're, <laughs> it's like, what? Everyone's going to come home like owing money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I thought was interesting? I won't say who the artist was, um, but he was a big uh, uh, rap artist um, for a while. And he would call me every so often and get in these long you know, conversations with me until I put a stop to it for my own self-care. Um, and he was like, he wanted me to come on tour with him and like be his human emotional regulator. So which would have harder, bro. it would have killed me i mean I, and i can handle 
a lot. Like I have a whole trauma background of chaos management and whatever. So people like that will look for me to do that for them. And I had to learn that was part of what made me depressed. Mm. But this guy really wanted this because he'd say, listen, you know, I get on stage and then I do these, you know, I'm, I'm in front of 40,000 people or I'm on SNL or whatever. And then I get off stage and I'll just say yes to everything because I'm so high on what happened and I need someone that I can look across the room and I can look at you and you just looking at me is going to make me go, nope, can't do it. Nope. Can't do that. And I think, you know, think for me, I was like, hell no, I'm not doing that. I will die. You will thrive and I will be dead and suicidal, you know, or suicidal and then dead. And I think there's something to be said too, that you might accidentally, because you're caught up in the moment, you just saw a show, you're high. You're like, yeah, do it. That's a great idea. No, see, I don't, I do that for myself, but for other people, because of the chaos management, I am really good at being like, I don't think that that's a good idea. Oh, that's cool. But yeah. I will do that f- for myself. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Let's start a brand new startup, a podcast network, and write a book, and put on four mental health conferences at universities right. in one year. Right, right, right. Oh, my. Are you kidding? I mean, I'll do that for myself. But I guess what I wonder you know, for you guys is it's that, it's that way anyway when you do these kind of things and you are in front of a crowd and you're high off of you know, your performance, and then you add mental health struggles on top of that. What, you know, I know we're, we're getting close on time, but how do you, because you have to be able to manage yourself. You can't walk around with a sober coach or a mental health coach all the time. And first of all, it isn't affordable for most people. And the goal is to be able to be someone that self-sufficient. Exactly. So how, let's start with you, Mark, you know, how, how do you manage that? And I'm sure it's a peak and valley thing. You know, it's not like, oh, I got it now. I'll forever be okay. Yeah, no, I don't think I manage it. Gotcha. <laughs> I mean, I do to a, each day I get better. Right. Yeah. And maybe if I've been working at this since, I don't know, right around 2012 ish, really working on it starting in 2014. Mm-hmm. And just get a little better each day and I manage by so one of my strengths is learning and I just try to learn and learn by learning I can um, ap- apply that where where feasible to my life just podcasts like this like mm-hmm. if I were the viewer and not the participant I'm picking up a lot of useful information on things, just perspective that I've never had before. Or maybe I'm finding a commonality where I feel less alone. So for me, it's learning and then applying it in in, in real life situations. And um, just the other day, I listened to Joe Rogan podcast and the comedian Nikki, excuse me if I mispronounced the last name, Glazer or Glasser, uh, probably Glazer. But anyway she was speaking about her mental health issues and the way she was speaking, it was, it rang so familiar. I was like, man, this is how I talk. This is exactly how I feel about certain situations. And I just, there I was the viewer taking away, like feeling less alone. And thank you. That's pretty cool stuff. So like, that's kind of how, how I, Will you Man. do my commercial for my network saying just that? This is why we do podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's 150 an hour until I get it right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Johnny, how about you? Because I actually saw you get upset on stage at the last one, and that was the same night where I pat- I fainted in front of you and got yeah. in the head. It was such a trip. But anyway, that was a weird night for everybody. But I... I saw you get irritated about something and I also have seen you be very like, look, this is my pre warm up that I got to do. I am not talking to anyone right now before I got on stage. So, you know, I've seen that process for you. Yeah, I think so. I love what Mark said about learning because you, I think to manage like, so if you're managing a budget, 
you like pick a definitive like okay i want five thousand dollars in my savings account by this time and it's like very concrete and you make mathematical calculations and then you discover here's how much i need to save okay it's solved next problem but with all mental health issues it's so it's like so qualitative and it grows and changes and like it looks different almost every couple minutes so if yes. you have a mindset that's like so i went to school for psych i didn't know if you knew that mark no um, and i there's a danger for me to say yeah i have already read about that when when i'm listening to a podcast or when i'm reading an article or talking to a friend i'm like yeah i'm very familiar you don't have to tell me again and <laughs> i think that the the number one way that you can stand in the way of yourself healing is decide that your method works for you sure you don't need to be open to learning from other people i think the 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 more often someone's like hey this yoga thing really helps me my response is "Ooh, 10 minutes of yoga a day is going to fix my brain but if i respond that way <laughs> and hear someone out or give it a shot or at least read about it or something if i immediately dismiss it I'm closing a door that could make my management and my mental health more efficient. So right. I think half of it is staying really open to stuff that even someone's like, Hey, eat a can of black beans a day. And I'm like, what the heck? And have gas like Why? you never experienced. I'm not going to lie. I'm going down this carnivore diet path because of Jordan Peterson and his daughter. So, and I'm like, I'll tell you what, two weeks in and my anxiety is just, eh, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty pretty interesting here so if it's but again, open it's it's open-mindedness of what i know about nutrition i know that this is the most ridiculous thing i could do <laughs> so i'm like but all right i'll try it i'm open-minded so, so it's yeah. a lot of protein right a lot of less meat it's, dude i am telling you right now okay and i'm sorry to all the vegans out there um, I, <laughs> I tried that i literally can I have to have animal protein every yeah. day? Otherwise, I am going to struggle mental health wise through that day. I, I just have to. It's interesting. The so Jordan Peterson and and his daughter both cured their depression by adopting an only carnivore diet. So they mm. basically eat steak and drink water, and that's that. Wow. Now, um, I'm not that extreme with it. I'll eat chicken, mm. uh, pork, or, but I notice, um, so I've experimented with this now twice and I did it for a few weeks, a few months ago. And then I went back to a standard American diet where I was like, hey, let's go get some Dairy Queen, whatever, <laughs> you know, and, uh, yeah. just having fun and my anxiety, my depression, it just felt like extreme and then i'm gaining weight which makes me depressed and then like i'm like man so i know that there's ex better ways to diet and i know that there's better approaches to losing weight and i know that losing weight can help with a lot of issues but i was more intrigued by depression only meat what's going on here so yeah. and a few other people have reported this so i'm trying it yeah. and I, I have not had anxiety since i've been back on it it's bizarre you got to email me and just let me know, you know, how that goes for you. Cause th this I'm going to try it for a month and I don't think it's a long-term solution by any means, but I think that there's something interesting behind it. And I've always yeah. been a nerd with this kind of diet experimentation stuff. I've kind of gone and tried most things uh, just to see what it's all about. Uh, but again, I, I agree with you, Johnny, about being skeptical, but also being open-minded. And yeah. uh, so, yeah, I just look forward to whatever. Hey, you know, aside from uh, banging my head against the wall repeatedly, if someone says that they find, you know, good relief in that, I might be inclined to try it. <laughs> I have told people, listen, I have, I have and I will continue to try everything. If I've sure. li I lived on a commune for three months, uh, spiritual. I mean, I have done, I'll put a crystal yeah. in my you did the wanderlust in crystals. Yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> if that, if somebody said that's going to yeah. help you, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. JP's was that guy on the internet, this ultra spiritual 
with JP, the long red hair guy. Yes. Oh, he's hilarious. Yeah. I love that guy. Well, okay. We got to close this out. This has been awesome. Um, I want to make sure Johnny, I say thank you, Johnny Crowder um, of the band prison and also uh, the founder of an app, amazing application called Coke notes that I get every day, a text on my phone that I know is from you and I love it. Wait till you see today is because it has to do with what we talked about. That's really fun. Oh, really? Ben's scheduled, and I can't wait for you to see it. Oh, very cool. I'm downloading it now. Coke it's notes. so awesome. Yes. Yeah. So, Mark, I'll email you after this. And it is so it. great. You never know when the texts are going to come in. So it's not like it's the, it's good, and I know the science behind that, too, because I know him, and he's a sponsor of you know our network, but... I never know when they're going to come in so that my brain isn't ready to just disregard, oh, that's a Coke Nuts text because I don't know when it's coming. So it does and I read it and it has this effect and I'm like, wow, I want every treatment. Anyway, I could do a whole commercial about it. But you were our guest. So please tell our listeners the name of the film and where they can find out more about you and the film and where it's going to be playing and all that good stuff. Sure. The name of the film is Down Again, and everything is located on our official website, downagainfilm.com. And if you make a mistake and accidentally put in downagain.com, you're going to get some guy's LinkedIn page. So for whatever reason, he beat us to the punch. (laughs) Now using it for LinkedIn profile pics. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, downagainfilm.com. And the movie is there and uh, some behind the scenes stuff, some little extra. In In the video, you only get to see partial performances of the music where on the website you can find the full and all of our press will put up this interview on there and everything so it's kind of our main hub awesome well i watched it twice oh cool thank you loved it absolutely loved it i was like i can't wait to do this interview i wanted to do this uh webcasting wise too just because it gives you all that you know all that much more coverage uh, absolutely network so well i'm glad i finally figured it out i apologize for that (laughs) you're fine fine. and of course listeners thank you so much for sticking it out with me especially with the same stories you've heard over and over again but i appreciate it listeners and thanks for tuning in to another to see you johnny mental health Without good intentions, I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you, I can fight it. Good boy.